Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, Brian Broadus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Brian, how are you doing today, man? And uh, that is the voice of Bobby Belt, who is the uh, on the uh, Sean and RJ and Bobby show, 5.30 to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan. He's a Cowboy insider for 105.3 The Fan. He is, as you know, the host of Love of the Star podcast, and he is also a member of the draft show for DallasCowboys.com. Robert, I am doing very well. Welcome back from the Combine. I was totally totally having FOMO. Every tweet of yours I read from you, Aisha Morrison. Uh, I, I just, every tweet that I saw from the combine, I just was, wish I was in the middle of that. And by the way, uh, a great job uh, of covering that thing very well for us oh, uh, for here on 105.3, the fan. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was a good, it was a good trip. I, I tell you what I learned, Brian, uh, is the, it's not a great idea to go on Friday is, is what I'm learning uh, because everybody that you would connect with is, is saying it's partied out <laughs> it's, it's great nights of uh, going yeah. out and, and having drinks and, and catching up with people and I'm tired and I, I want to, I want to get some rest tonight. And so I, I had a few really good meetings though uh, and uh, got some, I think good insight in general about this football team. So what we're going to do with, uh, we're, we're obviously going to talk about Jerry Jones and what he had to say on the bus uh, while we were there in Indianapolis. Uh, and we'll do that next segment. Then we'll get to our mailbag at the end of the show. But I just kind of wanted to run through some of the notes that I had coming out of Indianapolis, things about the Cowboys that I, I find interesting. And uh, we can lead off, I, I guess, with the running backs. Uh, Brian, we, we just saw the news uh, while we right before we started recording that the Cowboys officially franchise-tagged Tony Pollard. Um, and Jerry talked about bringing back both Pollard and Zeke. Uh, but I think it's clear from speaking to folks in Indy that the Cowboys are on the hunt for a running back. Um, they met formally with several of the top backs while they were in Indianapolis. I, interestingly enough, one of them was not Bijan Robinson, but they did yeah. meet with uh, Devon A-Chain. They met with uh, Jameer Gibbs. Um, they they met with Tank Bigsby. They, they had meetings with a number of running backs while they were in Indianapolis. And it sounds like they're going to have a few on their 30-visit list as well. I, I think Dallas likes Malik Davis, uh, but it sounds like they need to see... I think some more growth from him, uh, both as a player and a professional, before they really feel comfortable uh, with him in a primary tandem situation. So uh, I think the betting favorite for the Cowboys running back duo next year is Tony Pollard and some top 100 pick, Brian. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that, Bobby. I, uh, to me, it's, you know, with the situation with Pollard uh, receiving the tag, that really is uh, like a placeholder until he signs it. Of course, he's going to sign that. You know, uh, you thought maybe you know they could still kind of work on a uh, work on a longer term deal, but uh, the idea of having him back, I think, is the most uh, comforting thing to them. Or having him and the ability to try and negotiate with him is comforting to them as well. Um, I just don't think that keeps them from doing something at running back, like you mentioned. I, I don't. I. I, this could very well be a one-year deal. This could very well be something that 
okay, that, you know, we love to have Tony and we want him and, uh, you know, we have an understanding of the type of player he is. Mike McCarthy is the primary play caller now. Uh, he has an understanding of what the player is. So to me, it, it, it was I totally on board with it? No, I, I really wasn't, but I don't work there anymore. I don't, you know, I'm a, I do a, a show with you uh, on a weekly basis. We work together as teammates on a radio station. Me personally, I thought I would let Tony Pollard test the market and see. And, and much like with what they did with uh, with Terrence Steele, you know, mm-hmm. with Terrence Steele's situation, how much money is somebody going to be willing to pay a player that's coming off an injury? You know, and I would have I would have gambled. I you know they're gambling with Steele. They really are gambling yeah. with Steele. You can watch. I mean, I think if you ask them to a man, they'll tell you that that. And I saw a tweet you had this morning uh, that if Steele was healthy, he probably would be a tender to first round pick mm-hmm. but he's injured now it's a second round pick is it a gamble yes i i could have seen the same gamble with uh tony pollard uh, and seen if he was going to go out and get a deal and to me there's enough running backs on the market where i would have felt comfortable moving on if tony were to leave or like you're talking about i would have drafted one of these kids this draft for the running backs is going to stretch well into the fifth round when you Absolutely. start not running backs and the fact that they're looking at it, but it's here they are, you know, they're probably Pollard on a one year. And now the next back that they draft is going to be the one that's going to take Tony Pollard's place unless they can get a long-term deal done. And uh, right now that doesn't look like it's a a possibility. Well, you mentioned the uh, Terrence Steele news and, uh, you know, that that blends perfectly into the discussion about the running game because he was so important Amazing. as a run blocker for them last year. Uh, that, that was something that came out of Indy. Cowboys are placing a second-round tender on Terrence Steele. He's a restricted free agent. So the tender gives the Cowboys the right of first refusal on any deal that he may sign this offseason. It guarantees them a second-round pick if he's signed away. Uh, it comes with a $4.3 million salary for 2023. I think it's really unlikely that Steele plays on the tender this year. Um, you know, if if, if he would have, uh, I think it's also really unlikely that he would get any offer sheets signed here. I don't think anybody's going to offer a second because of that torn ACL. Um, but if he had been healthy, like we said, he's he's going to have a, uh, in all likelihood, would have gotten the first round tender, which comes with a $6 million salary and, and a first round pick for compensation if somebody signs an offer sheet. Um, but I, I think they want to get a long-term deal done here. I, I don't think they have any intention of him just playing on this tender. Uh, it, it's basically insurance to ensure the Cowboys have time to work something out. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I think that Terrence Steele gets something done on a long-term basis here and is not just playing on the one-year uh uh, franchise or the uh, the one year tender there for the restricted free agency. Yeah, I I, I feel like uh, that's the same way. I, I you know with Terrence Steele, the thing that will be interesting to me is that Terrence Steele thrived under Joe Philbin. Mm-hmm. Will he thrive under Mike Solari? You know, uh, everybody you talk to about Terrence, uh, you know, I- including like with Joe Philbin. You know, Joe Philbin would tell you Terrence Steele was first in the building, last to leave, a sponge, a weight room guy, did yep. everything he possibly could to make himself a better football player. And he did. He did. He really did. And, uh, you know, I I applaud him for that. I just wonder how – and I'm not meaning this in any slam towards, towards Terrence Steele, 
but I wonder what the relationship will be now with between him and Mike Solari. Will he continue to grow, or is this one of those things that's going to be a period of adjustment? Will it be a period of adjustment for the five, the all five guys that are across that offensive line? Anytime you change a line coach out, there is going to be a period of adjustment because that line coach is going to want to do it his way. And you've got enough guys, but you got young guys that are still trying to develop there. Now they're having to maybe relook how they play with their techniques. Uh, I think, and this is tied to some of the discussion a little bit with Terrence Steele and probably wanting to lock in something long-term at some point. Another impression I got out of Indianapolis is I think the Cowboys are starting to think a lot more seriously about what life without Zach Martin might be like. Um, I, I think they still believe he can play and play at a high level and, and they'd love to have him here for the next you know few years. But I think they're learning from the way the Tyron Smith situation was handled and they're thinking to themselves, let's at least get our ducks in a row a little bit and, and make sure that we have contingencies in place because Zach Martin turns 33 next season. He's older than Tyron Smith. He's played in just 11 fewer games despite entering the league during Tyron's fourth season. Uh, he was the most emotional that I saw at the locker room after they lost to San Francisco. Uh, and it seemed very reflective, just his attitude and, and the way that he felt. And so I think the Cowboys are, are really in tune with the fact that Zach Martin is, is not necessarily a guarantee to, to keep on playing, you know, in the next two to three years. And I think they want to get out in front of that. So what does that mean? Does that mean they, they just sign a, you know, a free agent? Does it mean they, they draft a developmental guy in maybe the fourth or fifth round to, to kind of cover themselves? I, I don't know how exactly it plays out, but I think it's definitely on their mind that he's getting near the end of his time as, uh, as an NFL player. You know, Bobby, you're the first one uh, that I've heard to report this. And I do believe there are some legs to it. The more I think about it, the more that, uh, you know, one of his dear friends in this uh, business was Travis Frederick, who yep. unfortunately, uh, you know, because of his illness, was never the same player. And he realized that and he moved on and, you know, moved on to, to, to probably bigger, better things for him. And I could very well see Zach Martin doing the same darn thing. You know, like I, I, I'm in this thing for so long and I only want to play uh, X number of years. Uh, every year I line up, I'm an all pro, you know, they're, yeah, it, it's, it's really, really hard on these guys, especially those offensive linemen, because usually like the older they are, the better they are, you know, look at, uh, look at, you know, like, uh, you know, Jason Kelsey there in, uh, you know, Philadelphia and how emotional did he got uh, after uh, the Super Bowl loss, you right. know, and because these guys know they're only they've only got so many snaps in that body, and I I, I think you're clearly on to something, uh, you know. I mean, this year, hmm, we'll see. Next year, following year, you know, maybe closer. But I think I think that you're, I think that your reporting and 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 gathering of information makes a lot of sense. Uh, the next thing that I'm interested in is I know everybody is, is big fans of Donovan Wilson. Uh, I think the, I think Mike McCarthy's a big fan of Donovan Wilson. I think Dan Quinn's a big fan of Donovan Wilson. I think if, if they had their complete say on it, it would be yes. Donovan Wilson is back here next year. I'm starting to feel a little bearish about 
Donovan Wilson's prospects to return, though. Uh, I don't think it's out of the question because there is such a desire from those on the coaching staff to, to make it happen. Um, and I think Donovan Wilson would like to be back. But the Cowboys consistently place one of the lowest values in the league on the safety position. And I think Donovan Wilson will have a market. How big of a market is it? I don't know. But I, I mean, I think there will be suitors. And you just take a look at how did J. Ron Curse play last or, or in 2021. He, he played fantastic for them, hit free agency, and they gave him $5 million a year. That was 12 years after giving Gerald Sensabaugh $4 million a year to play safety. They have not grown with the safety market at all. And then they just have a set price that they've wanted to pay for the last decade for that position. And I, I think that that's going to be a, an issue in these negotiations with Donovan Wilson is if they want him back at, at what they're currently offering, they're going to have to just basically pray. I think that he, he takes or leaves a better offer on the table. This is one of those situations, Bobby, where the coaches absolutely love a player and the front office might be in a situation right now where they're like, well, we've always kind of done it this way. We found curse. We've, you know, we found Wilson, we found guys. They've been really more wrong than they have right on the safety position. But as we look at what we saw at the combine this, this past weekend, and you look at the names and I know I'm just looking at my own personal board right now. I've got 10 guys that are safeties, whether they're strong safeties or free safeties, 10 guys that I have graded within the first four rounds of the draft. And, you know, here the Cowboys are likely going to get a compensatory pick or two. Maybe they get an extra four. They're going to get a couple extra fives at what it sounds like. You know, this team, you know, I, I could see them looking at this draft and not, you know, yeah, the coaches absolutely don't want to lose. And if you right now, if you sat down and talked to Mike McCarthy, the one player that he would talk about would be Donovan Wilson. Yeah. But his vision or – what he sees for the player might not be with the front office. And I'm not saying the front office doesn't like the player. Sure. I, I just don't know if they want to pay. And you and you laid it out very, very, very well on, you know, on on that on that front that are they willing to pay him more than what they paid for a safety what 12 years ago. Right. Kind of a thing. So but like I said, I, I look at my board and I've got 10 guys. Uh, I've got 10 guys or 11 guys that, uh, uh, you know, are right there in that first, you know, four rounds of the, of the draft. And I think they very well could, could, uh, tab one of those guys as a replacement. Last note, uh, here for this segment. Uh, so if I were, if I were into, you know, we we came out of combine last year and I think there was a general sense that they were probably going to look offensive line in the first round. And that rounds two and three were going to be some flip-flop combination of probably an edge rusher and a receiver. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, similarly, coming out of this week, I think in whatever order it may be, the first three picks are some combination of a cornerback, a running back, and a pass catcher. And I say pass catcher because I think that could be a receiver or a tight end depending on how the board looks. Maybe offensive line is a dark horse candidate that could disrupt that trio. Um, especially if the value's there. But I mean, specifically with the idea of tight end as a pass catcher, uh, Jerry mentioned Travis Kelsey and what a weapon that is and, and how advantageous that is to Kansas City when we talked to him on the bus. I think there's confidence in Peyton Hendershot. There's confidence in Jake Ferguson. 
I, I think, though, they are clearly interested in some of these tight ends here in the draft. Jerry talked about the advantage of having a dynamic tight end threat, like I mentioned. Linda Wells was there in Indy, and he was one of the only offensive coaches that was there. The rest of them were back in Dallas doing install, and Linda Wells is there, and he's running drills on the field for the combine for the tight ends. Yeah. And so I, I think the Cowboys believe there's a couple tight ends in this class who can really stretch the field for them and do it just as well as some of the receivers potentially. So I think that there's a there's a definitely a, a chance. In fact, I'd say, in my opinion, it's likely that a tight end gets drafted somewhere in the top 100. Yeah, I, I like what you're doing, uh, and I like what you're talking about with – uh, potentially the tight end and the wide receiver because what you have to figure out now, what you have to figure out is, um, you know, can you, do you want to take a wide receiver at 26 who might be the fourth best wide receiver or do you want to take maybe the first or second best tight end on the board? And, I think that's where the Cowboys are right now. You know, it, it, depending on which way you have your, I think everybody's pretty consistent about these wide receivers, but I think there's a little bit more of an inconsistency about the tight ends, whether it's Michael Mayer from Notre Dame is your top guy or Dalton Kincaid from uh, Utah or Luke Musgrave from Oregon state, you know, and then and, and maybe even to kick in, you know, Darnell Washington, who I kind of felt like he's the kid from Georgia who yep. tested incredibly well. Uh, I kind of felt like that maybe this might be the our uh, version of uh, Jason Peters. You know, Jason Peters coming out of Arkansas those years as a massive tight end, moved to offensive tackle. But this guy is like this Darnell Washington that just tested off the charts. And, you know, he's an incredible player. He's like a big offensive tackle running down the field and stuff like that, the way he plays. But, yeah, I mean, the the names that I mentioned, Musgrave, Meyer, Kincaid, Washington, they, they, might, be, they might be ahead of any wide receiver that's left on that board. I was talking with Dane Brugler last night, and we were kind of going through a, a Cowboy mock draft scenario, and Dane said, is there any reason why this team – wouldn't take Dalton Kincaid at 26. I said, no, I don't, I don't see that, especially with the conversation that you and I've had Bobby. And now that we're having with the, the, the listeners here of the love of the star podcast, uh, you know, it's it, they're they're looking for playmakers, whether that playmaker is. And to me, the cleaner of the pick might be the, the tight ends, over any one of those wide receivers that might fall to you at 26. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 